And so I thought to myself, geez, we had 250,000 years we've been around and most people can't even tell me who they are. Is this how much we have evolved as humans? You know, and we think we have evolved a lot, but we haven't. Technology has. Most humans are still very primal in nature. That's why we still kill. That's why now we, we, we don't just kill humans, we kill animals. And you know, my, I've been talking about it, 250 billion animals are killed annually on this planet. You know, some environmentalists are now saying that we're 31 years away from a human extinction event. Because how can we survive in the world where we have killed every other species? Our oceans are expected to be lifeless in another 30 or 40 years. Don't you think that's going to have an impact on the climate? But are we thinking about any of this? No, we're not. Because majority of our only, we only care about our own needs. Majority of human beings, because they're in struggle, they become selfish. So it's a greater problem that I'm trying to solve, you know. And again, the only reason I can solve problems that I care about or I can do something about them is because my needs are met first. It's not about being selfish. It's about understanding that you can't pour from an empty cup. First fill up your cup and then fill it into others, right? Welcome to Intensify Humanity podcast. We bring the stories of ordinary human beings with extraordinary journeys. They have been grinded through life in terms of extreme challenges, guilt, shame and things people cannot even imagine. All because they made a choice or decision in life. They are literally not just inspiring but intensifying humanity through unconventional ways to such an extent that other human beings are inspired and pushed to live to their highest potential in life. I, Sundata Sarkar, your host today, will bring about the story of one such human being. I hope you find this episode inspirational. When you are put into a different culture with no awareness about who you are, why you are doing what you're doing or having a tough financial problem at home since childhood to being beaten up brutally by roommates with dumbbells upon revealing information about drugs being hidden at the flat, having no food to eat at times and being broke for years, to becoming the ferocious success coach, the renowned wealth advisor, the best-selling author of the book Eighth Wealth Habits of Financially Successful People, the multi-millennia entrepreneur, the global leader, the founder of the revolutionized movement and the company known as the Successful Male and the creator of the unconventional practical foundation success program known as the MBA of Success. Ron Malhotra is undoubtedly magnifying the lives of millions of human beings across the globe, thereby intensifying humanity to the greatest possible extent. A warm welcome to you, Ron, for coming to my show. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Well, it's my pleasure and um, I'm so excited that you have decided to um, set up your podcast. Uh, I've been impressed with how you think and uh, your the desire that you have to grow yourself and grow others around you. So um, I'm really happy that you decided to set up a podcast. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much, Ron. That's really nice of you. Uh, so let me uh, ask you the first question, Ron. In your workshops, seminars, and uh, your sessions, uh, sometimes you mention at the beginning that I'm not an angry person. So why is the need for this kind of statement? Do people perceive you as an arrogant person? And are you one? Yeah, it actually, people do. Um, and look, I only became conscious of it because so many people started to um, assume that um, my confidence meant that um, I was carrying some arrogance or the fact that, you know, I may not have those expressions that pe people typically associate with happiness. So a lot of people then say, hey, you know, on your photos, you come across like you've got a bit of attitude. And, um, and so um, it, I always say to people, but you know, have you ever met somebody that's got a big smile on their face but is happy, unhappy on the inside? Well, I'm the opposite. I'm a person who's very happy and content on the inside but doesn't always show in my expressions. Um, and yes, the arrogance is also an interesting one. And because uh, I've over the years, what's happened is uh, many times I've uh, met people and they've said to me after they've gotten to know me after a while, they said, you know, when I met you, Ron, the first time I thought you were arrogant. And I said, I said, I get that all the time can you tell me why you thought that I was arrogant? And they can never tell me. 
right? So I thought I I kind of started to then go, maybe this happens because in our society we are so conditioned to conclude that anyone that is confident about who they are and what they believe in and what they want, we automatically make the assumption that they're not humble. And, uh, you know, we, a lot of the times we assume that somebody who's very sure about themselves must be arrogant. And what we, and, and here's the issue, I think. I think the, it's, it's how we define humility. And I came across this beautiful definition of humility that said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And if you apply that definition of humility, I know I'm very humble because I don't think that much about myself as I do about adding value to others. But in the world that we live in and because of the conditioning that most of us have, we automatically make the assumption that somebody who diminishes themselves is more humble and somebody who's sure of themselves is more arrogant. So a lot of the times people perceive me through these uh, perceptive filters and make the determination that because I'm so sure about who I am and I'm so convicted in my message and my philosophy that I must be arrogant. But I'm not arrogant. I just know who I am. I feel very powerful within myself. And because if you if you talk about what arrogance actually means, arrogance means thinking that others are more inferior than you. Do I think that? No. Do I think I'm powerful? Yes. But do I think that everyone else is powerful? Yes. So, I'm, so I don't really fit that definition of arrogance. But... Um, and the reason I knew that it wasn't me, it was more how people were seeing um, me through their perceptive filters was because no one's ever been able to tell me why they think I'm arrogant. You see, I'd, I'd be okay if somebody said, I, Ron, I think you're arrogant because you acted like this and you talk down to people or you look down on people. Then I'd go, okay, fair enough. That makes sense that you know you, you have a good perspective as to why you may have, thought, may have thought that I'm arrogant, but no one's ever been able to give me a good reason. I personally have seen your videos and uh, what your thought process and everything is like but to me personally it feels like you're a very down-to-earth person well i think i mean i think it's impossible for anyone that believes in god and universe to think of themselves as um you know um in indispensable or think of themselves as um i mean everyone's defeatable right so i certainly don't um, I, I don't, I mean, and you've worked with me, so, but yes, I'm very sure of myself, though. I mean, that I advocate. I go, you know what, there, I, you don't want to be walking around uncertain about who you are. And so, and the other thing is I've earned my confidence over the years. It's not something that, you know, you, I, didn't, I didn't just, some people I've seen, they pretend to be confident. Me, over the years, I've had that many setbacks and challenges and failures that I feel like I've earned every ounce of the confidence that I have by not being a victim, by not blaming circumstances, and by overcoming so many setbacks and challenges. So, you know, I, I like feeling confident. And um, it doesn't mean that I don't have doubt every now and then, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to diminish myself. And I don't think anyone should diminish themselves. I mean, we're all, if you, you know, if you believe in God, which I do, I, I, we're all God's children, why should we diminish ourselves? Arrogance means when we think we're better than others. But confidence means when we think that we're amazing and we should think we're amazing because we are pretty amazing what humans can do no other species can do you know the creativity that we have the compassion that we have we are so much we're capable of so much so that's something to feel good about isn't it that's profound i you have put it in such simple and beautiful words such kind of knowledge i think people will get wowed about it well, I mean, I, I hope so. And I hope that people can see that because every time you, we put a label on somebody uh, and, you know, most of the times it's coming from our own perceptions. We've got to question. So if somebody says, you made me feel uncomfortable. Okay. Why did we, when we feel uncomfortable, don't we need to take responsibility for our emotions? Why did we feel uncomfortable? For example, sort of, so many people are intimidated by really successful or wealthy people. A lot of people, if they were in a party with, a billionaire, most people would not go and talk to that billionaire. They will automatically make the assumption that this person must be a snob or, you know, that they're going to look down on me. But they're the ones that are making the assumptions. They're the ones that are making the judgment, right? And we do this all the time. Humans do this all the time. We've got to ask ourselves, what, why do I think? Because I, I got it very recently as well. There was a lady I spoke, spoke to and she said, my partner saw your picture on LinkedIn and he thought you were arrogant. 
And I laughed. And I said, well, it happens all the time. But would he have questioned himself and go, why do I think Ron's arrogant? What is it about Ron that makes me think he's arrogant? And is it reality? Have I got proof? Or is it simply my perception? So people have to ask themselves this. We can't just make snap-level judgments because the difference between an evolved human being and one that is not evolved is that the, the unevolved human being makes snap-level judgments but never questions their own perception. And we've got to start, if you, if you have to be aware, if you want to become self-aware and you want to be an enlightened human being, you've got to question everything you believe first. And you've got to go, well, have I really actually got any evidence to feel this way? Because sometimes it can be indicative of some limiting beliefs that we have been carrying through childhood. You know, that if you if you see somebody successful and we automatically don't like them, what does that say about our belief system? If we see somebody wealthy and we're automatically intimidated by them, what does that say about our belief system? What does that say about our perception? What kind of beliefs are we carrying? What kind of perceptions are we carrying inside of us that makes us feel uncomfortable around that? Because how many people are, you think about how many people are so comfortable around, you know, like people will say, oh, that person is so laid back and they're like the person next door. Is that a compliment though? Why are we so comfortable around people that are not achieving? And why are we so uncomfortable around people that who we perceive to be achieving more than us? We've got to question that, you know? So confidence should not be mistaken with arrogance. No, and there is a fine line, though. I mean, that you can, it's easy to get into arrogance. But look, I know, I mean, the, uh, no, whilst I may never be able to prove it to anybody, but I know that when I look at human beings, I see powerful people. I, I, don't, think, I, I don't think that based on potential or genetics or any other factor, I'm superior. If the only thing that I would judge people on is based on the effort that they're putting in. So do I judge? Yes, I judge based on effort because that's controllable. So if somebody decides not to put in any effort, oh yes, I'm calling them out. I'm calling out their lack of effort, right? But arrogance means you're judging people based on their being, their presence, something that they can't control. So that's wrong. And um, I don't think anyone that believes in, uh, you know, the universe or God or, uh, you know, um, anyone that, I don't think that that person, any person like that would ever be arrogant or carry an arrogant attitude. Uh, it's only, it's typically the people that are, have, suffer from scarcity that actually are arrogant because they are operating from fear. So um, I have no such qualms. I don't think that I'm better than anyone else. And um, I don't think that there is anything inherent in me that makes me special. Um, and uh, I do believe that the human spirit is very powerful. Uh, so I'd see everyone as powerful. But I, but the but in life, not everybody gets what they want because what what it comes down to is whether you do the right thing and the level of effort that you put in. Those people who do the right thing and put put the right level of effort get more than those who don't. So life's not fair that way. But it doesn't mean that we don't all have the opportunity to have the life we want. We all have the opportunity. Whether we do something about it or not, it's up to us. True. Completely agree. So, Ron, my next question to you is, some of the questions that has been asked on social media uh, to you, why do you talk about money all the time? Are you a money-minded pers person? And do you really think rich people are bad people? <laughs> well, I don't talk about money all the time, but I do talk about it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I've been in the money game for a long time. It's what I do for a living. It's what I feel very passionate about. And um, the reason I talk about it so much is um, even though it's not the only thing I talk about, well, the reason I talk about it so much is because I believe that money is a consequence of adding value in the marketplace. And the more people you add value to and the deeper that value runs, the more money you're going to attract. And for me, it's also about you can't just make money and keep that money unless you're a highly skilled person. You see, it takes character and skills to make money. So I like that perspective around making money. I, well, that's what drives me. But the other thing I realized also is if you look at all the world problems that exist today, uh, majority of world problems like human trafficking, sex trafficking, crime, poverty, all of this sort of stuff. A lot of the times, who, the individuals that commit these types of crimes are individuals that have not achieved self-actualization in their life. And it's impossible to achieve self-actualization when you're, you, when you're stuck in scarcity and survival. So I, I see money as a tool that gets people out of scarcity and survival so that they can achieve self-actualization. And why is self-actualization important? Because a human being who has their basic needs met 
and it can reach their, you know, live their purpose and reach their potential is a human being that's going to make a difference. And those human beings that don't have money to even take care of themselves, they're usually not the ones that make a positive difference because you've got to be resourced. So it's for me, it's not about having money for the sake of having money or for the sake of having prestige and status. I see money as a vehicle through which people can make a difference and they can become upskilled and they can make a bigger contribution to the marketplace and industry. So that's why I really like the whole concept of money. But I also like it because it's the most misunderstood concept in the world. I mean, we're living in a world where, depending on who you believe, between 1% to 3% of people in the world achieve financial success. And let's define financial success. Financial success is having enough money that never runs out in your entire lifetime. Or even better, you leave some money for the future generations. So to think that we live in a world where only 1% to 3% of people actually achieve financial success, for me, that's a very intriguing fact. And because I grew up in uh, circumstances where I saw everybody broke, everyone struggling for money all the time, and I was one of those people myself, I really wanted to figure it out. I wanted to know what it took to become financially successful. I was intrigued by the fact, I was fascinated by the fact that very few people make it. And I wanted to know why. And the other thing is, so many people have negative beliefs about money, you know, and they think that wealthy people are greedy people, or they see wealth as a sign of exploitation, arrogance, and greed. Well, the thing is, the people who make judgments about money, in most cases, have never had money. What I'd like to see is, hey, before, reserve your judgment until you've had made, have made money and, 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 and kept money. Then let's you make that judgment. See, I've been on both sides. I've been broke, and I've been financially successful. I understand both sides. I think it's unfair for anyone that's only been on one side to judge the other side. So if you're going to judge people with money, why don't you make it first and grow it first and then tell me what you think? Because you'll realize pretty quickly it's bloody hard. And you've got to add a lot of value for a sustained period of time to come into the acquisition of wealth. So this is where there's a double standard and massive hypocrisy. You see, put it this way. I don't care that Richard Branson is a billionaire. In relative to Richard Branson, I'm poor. I don't care that he's a billionaire because as long as I can do well for myself, it doesn't matter to me that Richard Branson has a billion dollars. I don't need his money for me to become wealthy, right? You don't, because that's a form of stealing. Like a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, um, a lot of people bl blame wealthy people and rich people for poverty. That's like blaming healthy people for disease. It doesn't make any sense. We don't blame healthy people for disease. So why do we blame wealthy people for poverty? Because it's a form of jealousy, right? Because we don't want to apply, the, I mean, here's a, here's a brutal fact. A lot of us don't want to apply ourselves. We don't want to take the risk. We don't want to work to make the money. So then the easier thing to do is just to judge rich people because then that way we can feel better about ourselves and our choices. Rather than looking at ourselves in the mirror and holding ourselves accountable and saying, hey, I am in the situation that I'm in. I'm broke because I'm not adding enough value in the marketplace. I'm not skilled enough. I don't have the work ethic. I don't have exceptional intelligence. I'm not creating anything. Rather than saying that, admitting that, most people would rather point at the other person who's wealthy and say, that bastard is the reason why I'm poor, right? Which doesn't make sense. And that's one of the surest ways to remain poor in life. That's one of the surest ways. And that's what a lot of people do. So when I look at the psychology of money, when I look at the behaviors around money, when I look at the strategy around money, when I look at the planning that money requires, the, the subject is so counterintuitive and it affects everybody. Anyone, if you're alive today, money affects you, right? You have to pay taxes, you have expenses, you have, you most, most people have an income, most people are going to live in a, they've got to, they've got to provide for their expenses, they've got to provide for their children. So we can't get away from this economic world we might as well master it, right? It's not like we can just deny it and pretend that, you know, we'll be fine without money. We know that the, the world is predominantly economical. The human world is an economical world. So if you don't master money, you've got a problem because money is the currency that drives everything. And it's been said that after oxygen, money is the most important commodity in the world. So I didn't make the rules, right? I didn't make these rules. All I know is that this is how the world works. And even despite the criticism of criticism of capitalism no one's been able to find a better system yet
So I go, this is how the world works. Let me master it. Let me master this language of money. And for that, I don't want to criticize wealthy people. I, I want to learn from them, right? So again, we're not talking about, see, a lot of people will just make the assumption that if you're talking about wealth, you must be superficial or you must be just driven by having houses and cars. But why are, you, why are we people even making that assumption? Because that doesn't drive me. What drives me is that money is a fantastic resource to create impact. That money allows me to make a difference. Yes, I love a good lifestyle as well, and money will afford me that. Money will also allow me to make sure that I can be the best version of myself because I can sort out the best mentors and the best education in the world, and I can have diversified experiences. I can put my daughter through the best education in the world. I can help my parents. Right? So that's why I like money as a tool because it gives you freedom and options and the ability to contribute. When you don't have money, you don't have options, you don't have freedom, and you don't have the ability to contribute. And until people consciously understand that and value money, they're not going to have it. Those were some powerful reality checks, Ron. And I'm sure that those who have been listening this one, lots of negative beliefs have been cleared to a lot of extent. Thank you for sharing that. You mentioned uh, you were broke and you saw both the sides. So you also have some grave experiences in your personal life. Would you like to share with your listeners? Yeah, I was broke for a long time. And I, you know, I used to live, um, the only place I could afford was um, a commission house. And a commission house is basically a government provided housing, which is for the, in, so in every country, there's the lowest socioeconomic group, uh, people who basically don't have any money at all. And so the government provides some basic level of housing. And um, when I was in my early 20s, I lived in a house with five or six people because I could only, that's all, the only way I could af afford housing. And it was a very old, decapitated house. It was just, it was completely, it was very badly run down. And the guys that were living with me were all drug addicts because they're the only type of people that I could move in with because I didn't have money at all. And I only had, all I owned was um, a mattress. And uh, I, I didn't even have an iron because I couldn't afford an iron to, sh to iron my clothes. And I owned one bowl, which was the bowl. It was like a, I didn't even have a plate. So I had a bowl in which I used to have my, 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 my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner. And because I couldn't afford um, proper food, so I used to just buy um, cereal. And I used to have that with a banana just to get, try and get some good nutrition. So that was my dinner most nights. So I've lived in those circumstances. And um, it, it wasn't fun, right? Um, it, and, I, and I know that there is a price to be paid to become wealthy, but I can tell you that the price that people pay in poverty, it has a toll on your health, it has a toll on your well-being, it has a toll on your peace of mind, on your self-esteem. And, you know, I, and, and so I've been on the other side, so I know what it's like. And then I've been on the other side where I've got financial security, I can buy whatever I want. I have the complete freedom to do what I want. If I wanted to retire and I'd not work, I can sell off everything and I can retire, right? But I'm not driven. I, I love what I do. So I, I work because my work has meaning for me. It's completely in line with my values. Uh, but the thing is, I don't want to be broke. I don't want to be poor again because I absolutely hated it. And I see a lot of people that tell me that money is bad, but then they secretly buy lottery tickets. So why is it that they buy lottery tickets? Because they do value, they want the money. They just don't want to work for it. Whereas I love working for money. I actually love earning it and I love putting effort to grow it. To me, there's a lot of satisfaction to be had in that. And because I've been on that side where I couldn't afford the basics to where now I can afford luxuries and I can buy whatever I want, I know the difference, you know, I, I, because I spend a tremendous amount of money on travel and education and things like that. And anything that's in line with my values, I can afford now. And But, but the other thing also is I can push myself so hard in life because I have very comfortable circumstance. I've created a very comfortable environment for myself. But this doesn't happen by accident. This doesn't happen because you get lucky. Those who get lucky with money, they don't keep the money. It doesn't last very long. So you've got to have skills. And I'm not saying this from a place of bragging. I'm, I had to develop skills. I didn't have skills. When I was broke, I didn't have skills. That's why I was broke. Because a lot of the time people say, you know, I'm not making enough money. Why aren't you making enough money? Because you're not skilled. You're not skilled. If your skill can be easily replaced by 100,000 or million people, you're not skilled. You're not skilled enough. You've got, you've got basic level skills. That's why you have basic level income. Now, nobody wants to hear this because it's a confronting fact. But 
you can't change your life until you first confront reality. So I had to confront reality. I had to look at myself in the mirror and go, I'm uneducated. I'm unskilled. I'm adding no value to anybody. But for a while there, I was blaming everyone else. I used to blame the employer. I used to blame the economy. I used to blame my parents. You know, my parents, you know, they didn't help me. They didn't support me. I used to blame everybody. I never blamed myself. And as long as I was blaming everyone else, I was poor. I couldn't get out of that poverty situation. It's when I took 100% responsibility. And this is why I'm so passionate about this subject. Because I've lived through it. Because I refused to become a victim. It's when, when I decided that I wasn't going to be a victim. I was going to take 100% responsibility for everything that was happening to me. That's when things started to change for me. And that's why I advocate to people. If you don't yeah. have money, you don't have skills. You want money, go and get some skills. And especially today, it's so easy compared to when I was in my 20s. Because knowledge is available everywhere. Mentors are available everywhere. You know, information is easily accessible. Back then it wasn't. So it's so much easier now. You know, if I was, today, if I was in my 20s, I feel I would have been a lot further because of the amount of information and wisdom that's available now. So those that are not going, and not seeking knowledge, they're not seeking wisdom, they have nobody else to blame but themselves. Especially if they're living in a Western world and they're not, their lives are not threatened by war or uh, civil threats or they're not terminally ill. Those people have choices. The question is, are they going to exercise their choices or not? Because a lot of, for a lot of people, it's just easy to blame somebody else or something else. That was so simple, yet so profound, Ron. And you really had some grave experiences in your life. Uh, my next question to you is, you have been saying about people being not satisfied in jobs and no one can become rich staying in jobs. Here are two questions based on this. Are you against jobs or the people who love their 9-to-5 job? And second, what do you mean by when you refer someone being rich and someone being wealthy? Well, let's start with the first question. So, no, I've never said that um, people can in jobs can never be rich. Only a very small percentage of people in jobs will become rich or wealthy. And let's define wealth. Wealth is simply the ability to fund your chosen lifestyle for the rest of your life without having to work. Now, at some point, everyone's got to stop working. Okay, unless you want to work until the day you die, most people would want to retire at least or stop working at, at least by 60, 65. Now, what's changed in the world is that once upon a time, a 60-year-old would retire and would die by the time they were 70. Not now. Today, if a person retires at 60, they're expected to live well into their 90s uh, in most parts of the developed world and the developing world. That's a third of your lifetime in retirement with no income coming in. So if you haven't created wealth, you haven't created assets, Whilst you're working, forget it. You basically, in your golden years of your life, they're going to become the worst years of your life. Because not only are you going to have less human capital, because all our physical and mental abilities diminish as we get older, you're also not going to have financial capital. So you're really going to have a bad life for 25, 30 years, right? So the issue is that most people in jobs have no money. After they've paid for their expenses, they have no money that they can use to create wealth, right? So that's the biggest issue. Some people in jobs become wealthy, but they're typically the highest level executives. But people don't understand that in many cases, a lot of corporations are pyramid schemes. Your chances of becoming a CEO or a high level executive in a company where there's 30 or 40,000 people, is pretty much very, it's very, very slim. Because in organizations, you don't always get rewarded based on effort and results alone. A lot of the times it's also who you know and connections. So there's a lot of political stuff that happens in organizations which prevents people's ability to be able to get to the top. So majority of people are not going to get to the top. We know that. The other issue is that the world's changed. As the automation trends continue and as outsourcing trends continue and as the youth of Asia and Africa rise and they become more educated and they become more globally connected, a lot of our jobs are going to be gone. Even people in India are not safe anywhere because jobs were previously... Um, outsourced from the United States and Australia and Canada and the UK to India. But as India becomes more powerful, jobs from India are going to be outsourced to poorer countries. So what's going to happen is you'll find that there is not neither job security and the prospects of you being able to create wealth in a job are so slim that you've got to have another plan. So the other thing I find is that and people don't realize this, you know, for 250,000 years, human beings have been around. Well, the Industrial Revolution's only been around for a few hundred years. Prior to factories coming out and companies, corporations being set up, everyone had to go out there every day and create work and create income. Now, the middle class has become lazy. They don't have to think. 
you just show up, you take your paycheck and you come home. There is no incentive to push yourself hard. There's no incentive to apply yourself. There's no in incentive to make, put yourself out of your comfort, comfort zone. And the biggest trap is that once you've got a job and you just make enough money to pay your bills and to pay your rent or your mortgage and your car payments, that's it. You're locked in. You're now, they've got you. The corporations have got you now. You're no longer a free person. Now you are just working for 30 or 40 years just to survive. And majority of people, by the time they retire, and you can, if you don't believe me, you can look around your circles. Because I see people all the time who are retiring. They don't have enough money. They've only, got, they've only accumulated enough money to last them five or six years. But they're going to live 30. So what's going to happen? Are they going to then fall back on their children? Are they going to fall back on the government? Is that a dignified way to live? And this is the interesting paradox. All these people are judging wealthy people, right? They're pointing fingers and blaming wealthy people and everyone else. And then towards the end of their life, what do they do? They become dependent on their children and, start, and put pressure on the government and, and their children. Is that a dignified way to live? It isn't. Take responsibility. Step up. Become financially educated. Become more skilled. Make more money. Understand business. Why? Because you have control over your income in business. You have very little control over your income in corporations. You can influence it to some extent, but not to a large extent. There's a lot of variables that are outside of your control. But in business, the number of variables that you can influence if you become skilled is a lot more than what you can influence working for somebody. So that's why it's worthwhile to look at a plan B, because ultimately there's only two ways to become wealthy. Money working for you or people and systems working for you. Simple. If you don't have a plan to have money working for you, and you don't have a plan to have people and systems working for you, you are guaranteed to fail financially. It's a 100% guarantee, right? So people are playing a very dangerous game. They're playing a game where they've got a 0% chance of success, financial success, right? And they're so scared of starting a business where they've got a 50% chance of financial success if they become skilled. So they say, oh, no, there's so much risk in business. Well, do you know the game that you're playing? You're pretty much guaranteed to fail. Because a person who only works for money and has not figured out a way to have money work for them and has not figured out a way to have people and systems working for them is guaranteed to fail financially. So that's the game that most people are playing. The game where their probability of success, financial success, is, is basically zero. So why do they play it? Because people perceive safety in numbers. And I'm talking about people who don't think. And maybe this is one of the reasons I'll get labeled as arrogant because I call out the truth. And people don't want to hear the truth. We know that people say they want to hear the truth, but when the, the truth is actually presented to them and it causes inconvenience or it challenges them, people get irritated. They don't want to confront the truth. But here the truth is that majority of people fail financially. And if you're a person who just wants to go to work and come back and work eight hours a day and then switch off on the weekends, unfortunately, the prospects are not looking very good. The world is very competitive. You've got to do more if you want more. To do 9 to 5 today is the minimum expected benchmark for survival. I'll repeat that. To work 9 to 5 is the minimum expected benchmark for survival. You are not going to become successful with it. And you're certainly not going to live a significant life. But that's a choice. If people choose that, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not in here to force anyone to change their choices. But don't complain. You chose. You're free to choose but you're not free from the consequences of your choices. We can't make these choices and then blame the rich people and then blame the government and blame everybody else and blame the employer when we are the ones that are making these choices because we don't want to upskill ourselves. We don't want to work 15 hours a day. We don't want to take risks. So we are making choices all the time, yet we don't realize we're making choices, but we, it's, more, it's easier to blame somebody else. And so that's the thing that I'm trying to change in the world is to wake people up about the economic reality and the economic world that they live in and become smarter and more responsible around it. But it's interesting that when I put stuff about uh, money or business, the engagement drops. <laughs> I've tested this so many times. If I make a person feel like a victim, my engagement will go up massively because that's what they want to hear. If I tell them that they're hard done by, that they're actually genuine victims and that they've had a very bad life and you know it's really tough for them, my popularity will increase. But if I tell people to be responsible, my popularity drops. So people are telling us what they want, but what they want, unfortunately, is not good for them. And so I, a lot of my content, my philosophy, is based around what people need. And what people need is to know the truth. 
They may not want it, but they need it. And I've been told so many times by slick marketers, you know, don't give people what they need, give them what they want. And I go, but, you know, I don't feel right about it. I'm contributing to the problem then. Because, yeah, for every 10 people that I tell the truth to, eight of them may, don't, may not like it, but maybe one or two will. And you're a prime example of that, So You know that, you know, I have this way of being very direct with people, but you've never been offended because you were seeking the truth and you were seeking wisdom. So it appealed to you. That's why you and I connect well. And you said, you know, you said, Ron, everything you say resonates with me. Why? Because you're seeking the truth. You would rather have the inconvenient truth than the convenient lie. Is that right or not? Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm having lots of aha moments and I'm sure our listeners also, because those were some really practical facts and calculations you've just put up on the face, which people never ever thought about. Even I never thought about all these things a few years back. Well, this is it. And so this is my job's done. If, uh, if there are a few people like you that realize that, hey, yeah, okay, you know, I don't like to hear what Ron's saying, but you know what? It's actually based on the facts and I'd rather be uncomfortable for the short term so that I can be more comfortable in the long term. And if people can see my intent, my intent is not to put people down, but I'm not one to make people feel comfortable either. Because as I, and I say this so many times, diamonds are not created by wrapping it up in a towel. Diamonds are created by taking a stone and cutting it over and over again, polishing it over and over again, right? And so you have to subject a stone to heat, to, to pressure for it to become a diamond. So I want to create diamonds. I look at people and I see a lot of people who are stones but should be diamonds. So when I sometimes I'll take a person and I'll go, you know, let me make you a diamond. Let me show you how you can be a diamond. So when I sometimes I'll rub them and I'll polish them and I'll cut them and I'll put them under pressure, they don't like it. But what they don't realize is what I'm trying to do is to get them to shine like a diamond. So people so many times judge people. You know, we, they, they'll, they'll think that somebody who comes and says, oh, you're amazing, is a better person than somebody who says, hey, you need to clean up your act. And this is the problem. We are all seeking this con inconvenient lie. Sorry, the convenient lie rather than the inconvenient truth. But as, as people will start to realize over a period of time, look, this doesn't serve us. What makes us feel good in the short term is not necessarily good for us. Sometimes it's better to endure pain and be outside of your comfort zone in the short term so that in the long term, your life can be easy. You see, if you pick easy now, your life will be hard. If you pick hard now, your life will be easy. That's the paradox of life. Thank you so much, Ron, for sharing that. Ron, on to my next question. You have varied types of qualifications and also doing a PhD. So what made you go for all those qualifications and what are those qualifications? Do you want it to become wealthy and hence you went for that qualifications or is it vice versa? Well, I wasn't, for many years, I was not educated. And I couldn't even read a book. And um, I struggled at school. I was never, uh, never academically inclined. Um, and um, so, you know, my parents were very concerned. They said, well, you know, he, he has, you know, I, they just thought that I didn't have the ability. I was not intellectual. And um, certainly no one thought that I was academic either. And I don't think I'm intellectual or academic myself. But what I do have is I have, I've, I've developed a love for learning. And so even though I struggled at school um, and I never thought I would ever going to be able to finish a degree, let alone a, a master's degree or, um, you know, even start a PhD or even write books or anything like that. What I realized was that all of us are lazy in areas that do not align with our values. And we're all geniuses in areas that do align with our values. So when I started to learn more about myself and I understood who I was and what I wanted and I understood what my values were, when I, then I, and then I connected my learning to those values, I realized that I had this insatiable thirst for knowledge and wisdom. And I also realized I had a lot of locked creativity inside of me. And I realized that I had all of this capability in me that I didn't know I had. So that's why I'm such an advocate of people uh, picking careers and occupations that are in line with their values, their purpose, their passion, their strengths, their mission, and their goals. Because that's when you start to reveal yourself to yourself. That's when you start to unleash all of these hidden parts of you that you didn't know you had. I, there is no way if somebody had said to me 15 years ago that you'd be speaking on international stages or you'd be writing books or you'd be doing a PhD. I would have never believed it. There was no way. But the reason I'm able to do that is not because I'm talented or I'm intelligent or I'm exceptional in any way. I'm not. It's simply because I was just smart enough to make 
uh, align my my decisions with my values and that what happens is that unleashes natural creativity in all of us because have you noticed that you know we all disciplined in areas that we love uh, and then we all undisciplined in areas that we don't like i'm not disciplined throughout there's if you spoke to my wife or you spoke to my parents they'll say he's very he's got no discipline in certain areas and i don't but the areas that are important to me i'm very disciplined in because they're naturally important to me so i don't need any motivation so um so that's why i've developed a love for learning and i yes i wanted to learn everything that i could about money and business but then i learned a lot about the human mind i learned a lot about um um and I, now you know i've been studying spirituality for a very long time because i want to know what's beyond the physical world you know and so i love learning about god and i love learning about spirituality that's in fact now my majority of my books are now about god and spirituality because you know i i have i believe i have achieved reasonable mastery over the business and financial domain and so my interests are now to understand what goes beyond and i want to know that because i'm convinced that we're not just a, a mind and a body we're also a heart and a spirit and you know so many of us just see ourselves as a mind and a body and that's a very limited way of living and i lived like that for so many years and now when i started to realize that there is another two dimensions to me the spiritual dimension and the heart based dimension and what that means how do i integrate those elements into my life and my living i started to realize geez we are as human beings we are so powerful but we've been led to see ourselves only as a mind and a body our entire economic framework our structure you look at the way you know our employees reward us what's it based on give me your time give me your money oh, sorry give me your um um your um, mind and give me your body and we'll give you the money how many of us are recognized as more than that we're not so we a lot of us actually believe that that's all we are most people would define themselves based on their names their culture their religion their occupation but that says who you are but if i said what are you would you be able to answer that question people say oh, i'm a human being but what does that mean and who told you you're a human being and what does that what does a human being mean to you so i this is where my thirst of knowledge now is you know i i'm so fascinated by the study of what we are not who we are i already know who i am i now want need to know what i am and to me that's one of the most profound answers that you know we can seek as human beings is what are we why am i here is this just a random coincidence am i just like any of the any other organism am i just like a pig horse a dog i'm just here randomly just created for no reason and i'm just here to pay some bills and eat some food and get married and buy a house and a car and then die is that really my purpose here is that really your purpose here or is it possible that we're here for a much greater purpose that's the question i asked myself a few years ago and i have got a lot of answers but i'm i will continue my quest for answers and that's that's the reason why i'm educating myself talking about spirituality you are a spiritual person right but there are lots of people who leave everything and just walks on the path of spirituality at a very early age or maybe at some point of the life so leaving everything and just walking on the path of spirituality do you think that is also a good option for people we are spiritual beings having a human experience but since we having a human experience and we born on the physical world we must master the physical world i see i i know people who deny the physical world and say this world is bad and you know this is i just i don't want to be a part of this and i just want to transcend this and i want to become a spiritual person i want to denounce everything and go up in a ashram or some mountain and just meditate well here is the thing though this is the problem with it though if we are spiritual beings having a human experience why should we deny that human experience we're not supposed to deny it according to me we're supposed to master that human experience so the answer is not in escaping the human experience it's about embracing understanding and mastering it and then evolving yourself into the spiritual domain rather than denying the human experience because it's too hard you can't cope with it you can't work out the financial system you can't work out the business system you can't work out how people work you can't understand how psychology works so you you don't want to be a part of any of that stuff because it's too hard for you so the easier escape is to go and say i'm going to become a spiritual person but are you really a spiritual person if you just denied the domain that you were born in no according to me you're not and i've seen it so called so called self proclaimed spiritualists who tell me that they're very spiritual and then i start to see as i start to have conversations with them i start to see the holes and the gaps in their learning and their knowledge 
because you have to it's the, the the wisdom lies in integration of the physical and the spiritual not in the denouncement and the denial of the physical so uh, so that's why you know I'm so glad that I started the way I did because you know I needed to get some of the basic stuff right first I would have been, and this is why I was saying before we're never ready for self actualization when we're in survival I if I my needs were not met do you think I would be seeking answers no probably not because I'd be too concerned about paying my bills I'd be too concerned about feeding my family where is the time to think about spirituality and what i can contribute in the world and how what difference i can make there's no time there's no energy to think about that stuff because when we stuck in survival we are not thinking about anyone or anything else other than ourselves it's only when our needs are taken care of which is why money is so important that when we can start to think okay you know what my needs are met i'm not satisfied i must do more so that's why i'm such a big advocate of people getting the money thing right first because if you don't get that right your mind will not evolve past your own survival you'll always be living in fear and scarcity because you are constantly thinking about where your food's going to come from where the money for the rent comes going to come from and that's not a good place to live i've lived in that stressful state for many years and i can tell you that was the time i became the most selfish because i did not have the ability to provide for anyone because i couldn't provide for myself right so that's why it's so important that we get that piece right quickly we get the skills we add value in the marketplace we create a great income we make sure our needs are met and then we can quickly transcend and we go we well, now i'm ready you know i'm going to make an impact i'm going to make a difference i'm not saying you can't make a difference with that when you don't have money i'm just saying your ability to make a difference is very limited when most of your time is just going on paying bills and earning the money just to put food on your table well, where is the time to spend even time with your parents i see my parents every week i see my in-laws every week i spend a lot of time with my daughter I can do these things because if you have money you have time if you don't have money you don't even have time because you constantly you have to give up your time to make money so that's why I'm such a big advocate of people understanding this and mastering these skills and then get the human experience right I know it's a tough like life is not easy you know anyone that's ever been um treated badly by people being backstabbed by people being lied to by people you know the human experience is not easy we have money to think about we have people to think about we have relationships to think about we have peace of mind to think about we have health to think it's not easy i'm not saying it's easy it was very tough for me but now i don't wish it was easier because it, because i know that because it was so tough i had no choice but to be better as a person so i love life now because i go wow isn't it wonderful that it's only because of those challenges that i became who i am Other, otherwise do you think i would have applied myself no way i would have not got any skills if i was comfortable if my parents had provided everything for me or if i was making reasonable or very good income without applying myself so would i have applied myself no we humans only grow when we are in struggle so those struggles are blessings in disguise and um yeah so so you know so this is why um you know i'm at that i'm at that stage where i talk about you know um get that right and then move start moving towards spirituality and what is spirituality spirituality simply looks at our connectedness with the world and the universe it looks at what we hear a purpose a greater purpose which is not just to pay bills and feed our family okay and then it's about having faith in a greater intelligence than us but you no one that's stuck in survival is going to think about those things because these things will seem like very lofty ideals to any person who's thinking about where am i going to pay my electricity and gas bill you see the problem with that and so humans can't evolve and be as conscious as they're capable of being until their basic needs are met so you also think money is spiritual Absolutely because money is a byproduct of creating value right why is bill gates a billionaire well have you ever used microsoft has it improved your life well it has improved the lives of billions of people on the planet the man deserves to be a billionaire when you create something that can impact the lives of that many people then of course you deserve more you deserve more abundance because you took a greater risk money is spiritual money is en- it's just an energy right and it goes to those who add the most value to the largest number of people because why is it that why why is the buy business people rewarded in the economy a lot of big business people who create big impact because they are working in accordance with the laws of the universe they are creating value they are serving a greater purpose than themselves why do employees why are employees broke because employees are only serving themselves but people we don't see it that way though our perceptions are so badly um flawed we look at business people and rich people as the 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 selfish people and we apply this uh, twisted honor to our poverty 
which is ridiculous. Now, sure, I'm, I'm, look, I'm not saying all rich people and all business people are good people, but neither are all poor people good people. Um, that's not the point. The point is that a self-made person who became a billionaire or multimillionaire would have had to create some value in the marketplace for sustained periods of time. Okay, That's why they created wealth and that's why they were able to grow wealth. So why did the universe reward them? And who are we to say the universe should not work that way? It's the universe that's ultimately creating the reward, isn't it? They're saying, well, Bill Gates and Richard Branson and these guys deserve a billion dollars. Why should we? Why People, oh, Jeff Bezos makes a lot of money at Amazon. Who are you to decide that? The market rewarded him. The universe rewarded him. Who are you to say that he shouldn't have that money, right? And so that's the issue. We are playing God now. We're starting to judge who should and shouldn't have money based on what we think should happen. But the world has always been the same. You add tremendous value, you get rewarded by the marketplace and the universe. You don't, and you struggle. So think about all those, so many of the employees. Who are they thinking about? Are they thinking about making a difference in the world? Are they thinking about having making a contribution in the world? Majority of them aren't. They're thinking about how can I get my car in my house and how can I get my Disneyland holiday? A lot of them are thinking like that. That's why they struggle. That's profound, Ron. That's really, really profound. So, Ron, the successful meal, you've started this movement and it became controversial. Then again, the MBA of success, this is a program that you have yourself created. But it is nothing like the conventional MBA that we have across the world. So these, what are these two programs? Or what are these two movements, basically, if I would have to say? And uh, what can people do with it? How will it help people? Well, the successful male was born out of a need. Uh, I saw that, um, you know, we were talking about all the world problems that exist. So let's talk about them. So we've got poverty, we've got financial crime, we've got human trafficking, sex trafficking, violent drugs, okay, predominant human problems. Now, here's a question. What percentage of those problems are caused by human beings? The answer is 100%. Animals didn't create those problems. Okay. Now, here's the next question. What percentage of those human beings belong to the male species? Okay. Now, what we know is that women and children are underrepresented in those types of world problems. I think anyone would say that majority of those world problems are being caused by the male species. So the successful male is not a men's rights issues. It's a men's development issue. And the reason it became controversial was because people automatically assumed that it was a men's rights issues issue. I wasn't here to talk about men's rights. I was here to talk about men's development. Because I thought, looked around me and I thought, well, if in, women can't, because all this women's liberation and everything, all the women's movements are not going to work unless men also evolve. Because women are never going to be happy if the world is full of men that are not evolved, that are not self-aware, not socially aware, they're not responsible, they're not high-charactered. Women are not going to be happy. So I was at an event and some woman said, she said, why are you doing this? I said, what do you mean? She said, don't you understand that women need help? And my response was, who do you think I'm trying to help? I'm trying to help men, but I'm also trying to help women. Because when we have a world that is full of inspired men, men who are on purpose, men who have self-control, men who are, know how to manage their money and their responsibilities, those men who will become contribute to their communities and their industries, those men become assets to the world. And I can absolutely tell you that if there was more development in the world, we would have less problems, human problems, and less crime. So that's how the successful male was born. And it was about providing a holistic framework for men to develop. So because our school education system and our work system teaches people how to make a living, but it doesn't teach people how to make a life. So that was the reason. And the MBO success is, again, similar thing because I, was, I, I thought to myself, you know, most people don't even know who they are. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what their values are. They don't know what their strengths are. They don't know what their pur- passion is. Not only that, they don't understand how their mind works. They, they don't understand what are the fundamentals that lead to a holistically successful life. And so I thought to myself, geez, we had 250,000 years we've been around and most people can't even tell me who they are. Is this how much we have evolved as humans? You know, and we think we have evolved a lot, but we haven't. Technology has. Most humans are still very primal in nature. That's why we still kill. That's why now we, we, we don't just kill humans, we kill animals. And you know, my, I've been talking about it, 250 billion animals are killed annually on this planet. You know, some environmentalists are now saying that we're 31 years away from a human extinction event because how can we survive in the world where we have killed every other species? 
our oceans are expected to be lifeless in another 30 or 40 years. Don't you think that's going to have an impact on the climate? But are we thinking about any of this? No, we're not. Because majority of our only, we only care about our own needs. Majority of human beings, because they're in struggle, they become selfish. So it's a greater problem that I'm trying to solve, you know. And again, the only reason I can solve problems that I care about or I can do something about them is because my needs are met first. It's not about being selfish. It's about understanding that you can't pour from an empty cup. First fill up your cup and then fill it into others, right? So it's wrong if you just fill up your cup and then you fill up another cup and you fill another cup and you fill and you have no desire to pour into others. Now that's wrong. That's greed. At the same time, to go and pour into others' cup when your cup is empty is also stupidity. Pour yours, then pour into others. That, I believe, is the formula for a successful life and a life of difference. So that's the reason why I love education because I know that education transforms everything. And Nelson Mandela said education is the most powerful tool in the world. And I absolutely believe that to be the case. So, But rather than teaching people how to do a job, I want to teach people about themselves and about life. And so that's why that's the mission that I'm on. And that's why most of the, my education is based around life, success, performance, mindset, um, business and finance, because all of that will give you mastery over the physical world, which will then allow you to transcend into the spiritual world quickly. So that's the mission that I'm on. Well, the MBO success is a personal development program. It's not about a certification. Nobody cares about certifications. In case people haven't woken up, let me tell you this. The world doesn't care about your degree and certification unless you're a technical expert. What the world cares about is what skills do you have and what value do you add? And for that, you don't need a certification. So the MBA of Success is my own program. It's under the Ron Holstra International Academy. And uh, if people want to find out more about the program, they can either connect with me on LinkedIn or they can check out my website, ronmahotra.com, and they can make an inquiry. So it's only for individuals that are ambitious, that want to find their purpose, want to maximize their potential and want to make a difference. I, it's this program. I don't try and convince people to do this program because I want to see I want to see for myself if person even have the has the basic inclination to improve themselves, right? If people don't have the inclination to improve themselves, I can't help them. And you know, I've already said this many, many times. If I have to drag them to the starting line, I'm going to have to drag them to the finishing line. They have to come to the starting line themselves. If they come to the starting line, I can contribute to their journey so that they get to the finishing line as fast as possible. Then that's what the MBO success does. Thank you so much, Ron, for sharing that. And thank you once more for the successful male movement it is not only because you've started it for the males but indirectly it is also helping the women so from my part thank you for contributing to the society in that aspect well thank you and i'd love to hear from you you're doing my you're you're one of my mentees and the mba of success program what are your thoughts on the program Yes, so it has completely opened my mind. I've gone through the syllabus of the conventional MBA that we have uh, in our society where we get the degrees and then we get the jobs or do business. This is completely like your beliefs are shaken from the first module itself. So starting to, when you start to answer the questions, you first become blank because no one has ever asked you such questions in the entire life. In 14 years of schooling, college, everything, nobody has ever asked you those sort of questions. And that's why maybe we have never thought about those answers because when questions are not asked, answers cannot be formed. And I think that MBA of success is one of the most fundamental things that people irrespective of caste, creed, educational backgrounds, degrees should go through this because it evolves you as a human being. And uh, not only the human aspect, but you have also put out technical stuffs over there related to wealth and other technicalities, which I'm sure people uh, who are looking for that kind of knowledge within MBA, if I have to turn that coin again, will definitely help them get there. So all in one place the self-development aspect, the technicalities and everything. So thank you so much for creating a program like that, which has never been there previously. No, thank you. And the thing is, I'm so proud of the fact that I've seen your growth in the time that um, I've worked with you in the short time. I've seen tremendous growth in your thinking, in your character, in your personality, in the way you think. And I know you're just now starting on the, you know, building your empire, which I know it's going to happen because I can already start to see that 
first thing that has to change is the person's mindset has to change. Their circumstances cannot change otherwise. And I've already seen that shift in mindset. So I know you're going to do some wonderful things and thank you for creating this podcast and I'm most grateful that you decided to invite me on it. Thank you so much, Ron. I also, regarding you mentioned the mentees, you have your mentees across the globe in different countries. But recently you also started the mentorship program in India, right? So I have to ask you, why did you choose India? Why India? Well, because I'm, I'm by heritage, I'm Indian. And so I have, a, you know, and I've seen how many people in India are struggling. And I do think that there are two things that have led down Indians in many respects. Uh, they, I find that Indian young people are so capable. But I do feel that two things have led them down. One is the traditional education system. Okay, it hasn't taught them financial skills. It hasn't taught them business skills. It's only taught them survival. And it's only taught them how, in most cases, it's, it's not really developing holistic human beings. And the cultural indoctrination which I find that there's a lot of distortions in the cultural indoctrination. Obviously, being a part of this culture, I have seen how many culturally culturally held beliefs are limiting people and they're making people live in shame and guilt and preventing them from becoming the best version of themselves. And, and it's just a, a fantastic way. A lot of the times culture and religion has been used to control people. And so I see a lot of that stuff, you know, and so I just find that for me, you know, I really want to come out there and I feel that the education system massively needs and uh, and overall, but also I feel that some of those cultural beliefs that are holding people back need to be reviewed and challenged. And, uh, you know, you if you have seen me, you, I know you've been to my event, you know, I'm not just going to say something for the sake of same thing. If I, if I bring up something, I can back myself up on it. And, you know, I've seen that a lot of people have massively you know, they're very cultural and they believe in their, but they've never, que- they've never questioned what they believe. They've never really examined them. You see, the mark of an educa- whole mark of an educated person is to question everything, right? It, it, there's difference in faith uh, through understanding versus blind faith, okay? So uh, what I all want to try and bring is a high level of awareness. So, you know, all the 600 million young people in India who are unhappy and, but are very capable are given the tools so they can go and make the cause the transformation that they want to transform. And so, you know, that's why India is a, a definitely a, a big, big opportunity for me to take what I do and add value to as many people as possible. And thank you for bringing that to the people of this country. Really, it will be very helpful for the others as well. Now, Ron, the short uh, answer questions. With which one of these you associated more of yourself, wealth expert, entrepreneur, or a teacher or a mentor? I would say teacher and a mentor. I, um, so I love business and money and all of that stuff. But ultimately, what I love more than anything else is to elevate people and enable people. Wow. What is the most essential daily ritual that you follow every day without fail? Meditation. So I meditate every morning and I pray every day. Okay. Which is that one single moment in your life when you felt like this is not who I am and I have to take the steer in my hand of my life? It's, it's when I was doing very well in the corporate world. And uh, one of my bosses said to me that uh, he said, you know, um, you're like my son. And uh, he was the CEO of the company. And he said, uh, you know, uh, I see a great feature for you um, in this organization. And <laughs> most people would be very happy to hear that. And I realized that I was like this bird that was in this cage. And even though the cage was made of gold, it was still a cage. And I realized that no matter what kind of cage they put me in, I was never going to be happy. I needed to fly. And so that was the time that I decided to quit and change my, my, my life and start from scratch again. Okay. If not a teacher or entrepreneur, then what would Ron Malhotra be? Ooh. Oh, geez. Now you've really got me on this one. You've stumped me on this one. Um, I would probably become a vegan activist. <laughs> um, I become a vegan activist. I think that I just feel so bad for the animals that are being tortured and violently killed in the world. And I just feel I really, at the moment, I have this desire in me that I need to do more in this space. And I'm, I'm right now working on what I need to do next so I can make a bigger dent in this space to minimize the the suffering of animals. Wow, that that's really big. And my last question. You might have lots of dreams, but what is your ultimate dream closest to your heart? My ultimate dream is that uh, that my life is not wasted, that through my life on this planet, I'm able to impact uh, a lot of people 
through the education that I very strongly feel passionate about. So um, that's my greatest dream. <laughs> you know, on my deathbed, I just want to know that, you know, a lot of people have been impacted by the work that I've done. Legacy is very important to me. Uh, the other dream that I have is I want to make sure that my daughter, uh, you know, it's not up to me, but I hope that she decides to follow a path where she decides to make a difference to people through education. So she's showing a lot of interest in this. And I can tell you that if she decides that this is the path that she wants to be on, because she's so young, she's only six years old, you know, I just see that she has so much potential. She could take whatever I have done and she could multiply it by a factor of 100. And she's so capable of doing that as well. So I hope to see that day one, one day. That That's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. The way you're bringing her up so ron for our listeners how and where can they connect to you i think linkedin is the best platform um i post content linkedin and instagram so instagram my profile is the ron malhotra and uh, on linkedin it's just ron malhotra so probably the best way to just connect with me if you're a man obviously if you want to develop yourself check out the successful um if you are interested in the mbo success just um, make an inquiry on info at ronmalhotra.com and we'll send you some information Thank you so much, Ron. Lots of aha moment and lots of profound insights you have just dropped. And thank you so much for coming to my show and giving your time. It's my pleasure, Sam. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into my show. That was Ron Malhotra. From breaking stereotypes and age-old conditioning to educating people about the core mindset, wealth, and success. He is truly magnifying people's lives to the highest possible extent. I hope you found this episode inspirational.